Hey everyone, it's Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I am Stephen Henderson, your host, and I am always glad that you join us for our daily discussion. In a few weeks, and I cannot believe I am saying this, we're not just going to end the year, but we will also say goodbye to the 20 teens, a decade that saw tremendous social, political, and technological change, and one that sets up a lot both potentially good and potentially bad, for the next 10 years. Before we enter 2020, I wanted to close out this year, the decade, by taking a look back to reflect on some of the biggest news stories, cultural moments, and the people who left us. I am joined today by a panel of people who think a lot about the news and how it impacts our lives. And of course, we really want to hear from you as well about the stories, the moments, or the deaths that stood out to you during the last decade. What is the thing that you will remember the 20 teens for? Is it uh, politics? Is it the change to our politics that the president, the current president, has introduced? Is it technology? Think of how differently we relate to our phones, these little things in our hands, these supercomputers we carry around that allow us to do all kinds of things that were unimaginable 10 years ago. Or are there some sort of cultural moments that stand out to you as the most important over the last 10 years? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. And my question to everybody is, who is your person of the decade. If you had to pick one person who you think defined the 20 teens, who is it? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Jeff Bezos? Is it Bill Gates? Think of all the people whose work had an impact on our lives over the last decade. Call and tell us which one stands out to you the most. And I want to welcome our panel to the studio. Chad Livengood is the senior editor at Crane's Detroit Business. Chad, welcome back to the studio. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Nancy Naldaringer is a Detroit-based writer and editor. She also works for Deadline Detroit. Uh, Nancy, welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be here. And Greg Bowens is a political and communications consultant. Greg, Always great to have you here as well. Hey. All right. So <laughs> I want to start with the three of you just kind of uh, talking about the things that jump out to you over the last decade. I've got a lot of things on my list and I've got some categories I want to have us talk about. But let's just start with uh, what were the things that you think will define this decade when we look back at it, I don't know, 20 or 50 years from now. Nancy, I'm going to start with you. Okay. I think that um, if we take uh, person of the year, as, or the person of the decade, rather, in the Time magazine sense, which is, it's not necessarily a, a laurel. Um, it's just an acknowledgement of your place in, of in, influence, in the world. Right? Yeah. And I think it has to go to Donald Trump. I just don't see, I mean, he is the person who um, I think has left his mark. Um, and of course, I don't think it's a particularly good mark mm-hmm. on on the uh, culture, on the our political process, on our democracy itself. 
Um, but he has definitely entered the room and broken all the china. So that would be that would be mine. That's your person of the decade. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. Time Magazine got yelled at for naming him person of the year I in know. 2016. Well, again, it's, these are people who don't understand the point of person of the year. This is not like this is not the Nobel Peace Prize. Right. Okay. So it's just that's, an acknowledge. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that would be mine. Okay, fair enough, uh, Greg. What would you say are the moments or or person of the decade. You know, I, if if I if I had to if I could remember the guy's name, I would say the person that invented that ridiculous bird, you know, scooter that has swept the country. Oh, you're kidding! <laughs> <laughs> you know, from coast to coast, changing transportation. Who would have thought that people would pay money to, to ride, ride what was normally considered a children's toy <laughs> down woodward avenue yeah down woodward that's interesting. and has caused chaos from coast to coast as cities try and come up with laws he upset the transportation you know people aren't taking the bus they're getting on these scooters they're not driving they're not riding bikes yeah. you know and yeah. it's pretty and and governments have been grappling with how to manage this new industry you know what i mean New York bans them. Right. Uh, in Atlanta, you can't ride them after 9 o'clock. In Detroit, you can do whatever you want to with them. <laughs> a friend of mine, Andy. Of course, in Detroit, we have no rules. Right, we have no rules. <laughs> Let's just go for it. <laughs> a friend of mine, Andy DiDerosi, who runs a Detroit bus company and has made scooters and giving scooters away to kids a, a cause in the last year, said told me, told me once that the scooter companies are the ultimate move fast, break things, internet business. Right. And that it's just like, let's just dump these on the street and right. see what happens. So. See what happens. And, wow. and, and so it reminds me, you know, how coincidentally I got the word of today. I get that being a former English major. Flibber gibbet. Liberty gibbet. <laughs> Liberty gibbet. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's, it's like silliness, something that causes chaos, yeah. you know, yeah. with a little bit of an edge to it. You know, like William Shakespeare <laughs> named the devil. How do you Flibberty solve a gibbet. problem Flibberty like gibbet. Maria is in there? That's She's a Flibberty gibbet. Flibberty a gibbet. A will of the wisp. That, that, that describes this last 10 years, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sort of zaniness, right? right? Just nuts. Uh, Chad, what's your person or moment of the decade? Well, I think of it not as a person or a moment, it's just as a general overarching rule. This has been the decade of disruption uh, in our country, in our world, um, just in our lives, in our society. Um, everything from the bird scooter that you couldn't have fathomed 10 years ago taking over to even Donald Trump, he couldn't have fathomed becoming president. Um, <laughs> and he he arrived mid, mid-decade uh, coming down an escalator uh, from like a gold-plated um, uh, apartment on, in, in Manhattan. I mean, th- these, these things just seemed inconceivable. Just the ability to just go onto your phone and just order your entire uh, household uh, needs and food and have it delivered to your door, mm-hmm. um, that is just an immense disruption. I mean, this has been the decade that we have watched the, the self-implosion of Kmart, um, a, a Detroit, Michigan-made Michigan um, brand has completely come unraveled. And I, and I was thinking about this Friday night. I was uh, 
um, at the uh, last Kmart in, in, in Macomb County mm-hmm. uh, in Warren, uh, 10 Mile, and just, just kind of sort of marveling at the destruction of this place that was happening as people were trying to get, uh, you know, 60% off sales on all right. kinds of, of uh, you know, cheap merchandise, basically. And, and, it, and it just really is, um, a, you know, sort of a paradox of the entire decade uh, that has been just one disruption after another. Um, we are on the precipice of, of, of robotic cars um, taking us places. Um, we we get picked up by people um, driving their own car mm-hmm. um, that uh, th- that didn't exist uh, ten years ago, and there's just so many things. I mean, my my iPhone 11 here has a camera that should that will put most photojournalists out of business, um, uh, out of out of work, and I can take pictures um, of amazing clarity um, from from long distances, and I can edit video on a three dollar app, um, i iMovie app. That when I was in college 15 years ago, 16 years ago or so, um, there was a two, three thousand dollar video editing system called Avid. I'm not yep. even sure if that's even around it anymore. It no, might I be for Avid. TV stations, but I mean that's another disruption from two thousand uh, dollar to uh, program and software and computer setup to a three dollar app on your phone. Yeah, no, I think those are, those are really great. Uh, all all three of you, really great examples, and and this idea of disruption, I think sets the table for an interesting decade next decade, right? I mean, this idea of what comes next, I think, uh, is thrown into even more doubt or possibility because of the weird things that have happened uh, Mm -hmm. uh, this year, right? Um, What comes after chaos? What comes after chaos? What comes after Trump? Well, (laughs) yeah, exactly. I mean, mean, if we use the analogy of, of a century being like, you know, a life, you know what I mean? We've just gone through the teens. And what do you experience in the teens but disruption and angst and all of those things? Right. But what happens in the 20s? The 20s aren't much better. It's, a lot, <laughs> it's sort of like a calmer version of the chaos that you experience, but you're still trying to find your way in the world. You hope it's, it's calmer. Right. It well, you hope worse. it's calmer. I mean, you know, you know I, I mean, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I was going to say, my 20s were pretty great. Right. But you also... <laughs> but, but you build on the chaos of, you know, of, of, of the teens in, in doing it. And so I would be hopeful that it would be a little calmer, but I'm, I'm not so sure. I think maybe it'll just get more pointedly disruptive, like more predictably disruptive yeah. in some kind of way. In your 20s, you have to start adulting. Yeah. You're supposed to. And, 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 that's, supposed to. Uh, and that's that's kind of the challenge we we sort of face as a society in, in these next in these next years. What is what does adulting look like, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Call and tell us what your moments, what your person maybe of the decade is. What's the thing that will stand out to you as we go into 2020 and into the 2020s? Uh, And give us an idea also of what you're expecting out of the 2020s. Are they going to be different than the 20-teens were? Are they going to be less disruptive? Are they going to be more stable? Are we going to see things settle down, especially in the political arena? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we will try to work you into the conversation. All right, uh, I, I want to start with some local uh, issues that, that I think stand out uh, in the last 10 years. 
start with the Detroit bankruptcy, uh, which was, when it happened, one of the most significant financial stories of the decade. And, and of course, for us here, it was also quite personal and social and, and cultural. But the, the, the bankruptcy also was something that we couldn't have predicted, I think, 10 or 20 years ago uh, that would happen. I think we also couldn't predict what would happen as a result of the bankruptcy, where Detroit would end up at the end of the decade, given that in the middle uh, it, went, it went all the way off the financial rails. Uh, Greg, I'll start with you. Yes, uh, the bankruptcy. Wow, that is another one of those big disruptive things. And I think probably more than anything else, psychologically, I think it had a really big impact on how we feel as a community, as individuals, when it comes to the security of our future. We were just in the green room and someone was talking about retirement and, and, and maybe and falling into retirement in some kind of way. And that used to be something of a sure thing. The bankruptcy was sort of predicated on this idea that at some point all, everybody's retirement bill is going to come due and that's going to throw the city into, into chaos. And so, you know, for my, you know, my, my, my folks live on a cop's pension. I got, you know, brother-in-law that, you know, used to work at DWSD and, and folks who never thought that the security that you would get from taking a lower salary and not going the corporate route or whatever fanciful dream you may have, but by serving the public mm. in government would pay off in the end, you know, pretty much job for life. And, you know, a pension, nothing to brag about. Nobody gets rich on a cop's pension or a, or a garbage man's pension, but it was there. It was enough. And, right. And so the bankruptcy, I think, scared people to death. And I'll never forget, because I've worked with labor a lot during this time and outside of the federal courthouse. And someone said they just want us to die. Hmm. Wow. wow. They just they want, want us, us to, to go die. away. Right. Uh -huh. That's wow. it. They don't, you know, they just want us to die. So, yeah, I, I feel you on the on the bankruptcy thing. And and I think that I think that that psychological impact, because it was our parents and friends of ours, but our children saw that, you know, and all the things we told them to do, you know, be good, get a good job, get educated, whatever. Stay till stay till you vest in the pension. Right. Right. Is uh, is is completely thrown out of the window. And so. Yeah, you know, disruption. the Zoomer generation and, and, and those guys are they're not feeling that anymore. Yeah. Uh, other thoughts on the bankruptcy? I, you know, public employees are about the only people who get pensions anymore. So but I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a perspective that I think was really overlooked in all the other uh, discussion around the bankruptcy, particularly, you know, the grand bargain mm -hmm. and the, um, you know, the, the selling off of assets. And, and, you know, that to me was, of course, I, you know. I'm not a lifelong Detroiter. I only moved here a few years ago. I live in the suburbs. Um, my point of view is very different. Um, but, you know, the part of the things, one of the things that I will take with me, my memory of that is how ignorant so much of the rest of the country is about what kind of city Detroit is. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading a column uh, by a notable libertarian columnist calling for the liquidation of the dia mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and i believe part I of her that. um was virginia postrel i believe mm -hmm. and i think part of her argument was why is this exquisite collection of art being wasted in a you know in a 
in a hole like Detroit, essentially. Right, right. You know, a city it's a, that couldn't appreciate it. It was essentially yeah, what she was a city saying. that cannot appreciate it. And it's just it just makes you realize what the um, what the result of all those years of ruined porn photos in mm-hmm. you know in in coffee table books and this idea that Detroit is the murder city and it's just it's so much more than that. And I think for people who probably haven't even visited here to be, you know, pontificating on that. It was just, it was so appalling. Mm. Stephen, I spent 18 months uh, for the Detroit News encamped at federal courthouse right. uh, covering that. the bankruptcy. <laughs> um, I, I counted at one point, it was at least 50 days in court um, uh, without a cell phone, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the joy. And, um, and, and in that time, I, I, I didn't cover City Hall. I came from Lansing, from the Lansing Bureau. I was a state government reporter following um, a Republican governor's administration taking the city through bankruptcy. Um, in kind of my looking back at, at sort of all the events that, that transpired, I think you have to go step back to 2009 as a pivotal moment that sort of laid, uh, set the table for uh, this decade and for, for, the, for the financial workout at, at, um, uh, in the bankruptcy court for the city of Detroit. The bankruptcies of General Motors and Chrysler and the bailouts from the federal government that kept those companies alive, um, stabilized this town. Uh, because if, if 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 one or both or Ford had all gone under in some fashion, um, you know, it would just have caused more chaos into into the uh, into this decade. Um, and and frankly, we we wouldn't be talking about um, an Italian automaker named Fiat buying buying up Chrysler and now building a new Jeep plant on the east side of Detroit. They'd probably have one less Jeep plant on the east side of Detroit if if all if all this had kind of uh, come on, come unglued in two thousand nine. But they kept it together. And it was just enough to be able to give the um, the, the the political motivation um, and the economic um, uh, case uh, for a Republican governor in Rick Snyder, a corporate guy, to come in and and view this as a company that needed to be restructured. Um, and he brought in um, what, what nobody can really dispute to be, I mean, basically the best people in the game in in corporate restructuring. The guys actually that did Chrysler's bankruptcy, right. um, the Jones Day law firm, and Kevin Orr himself, uh, who became the emergency manager, um, and I, I look at that as, as a sort of pivotal moment, and I've written about this sort of tale of two emergency managers, because um, uh, when Kevin Orr came to town, he described this as the Olympics of restructuring, and he brought in gold medal winners, um, and they paid $170 million for all these um, consultants and attorneys to do, to do this job, and then in Flint— um, they sent the bean counters, yeah. basically. Flint, they, which is, of course, another huge just a, moment this decade. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, and uh, we haven't got that, but I'm just kind yeah. of segueing that. But they sent in basically just people to sort of mine the store, but not anybody with any money mandate or authority to really do um, the type of work that was needed. And and and, and it's really stark to, to look at what's going on in Detroit right now versus what's going on in Flint, where they're still struggling with, with, with uh, water. No one trusts and and government that's still you know basically in chaos yeah. steve yeah. I, I i i disagree with a lot of the things you said but i won't go there what i will go <laughs> to is is this is that i had not heard and when i think about it upon reflection anyone crystallized the struggles that government and we dealt with as a society the way that you put it 
it was for lack of a better phrase and, and you know I wanted to come back to I want you to come back to it but this idea that uh, a penny wise and a pound foolish you know what are we willing to sacrifice in the name of numbers in 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 order to have roads public schools things of that nature do you recall you know talking from from Ooh, that sure. particular vantage sure. point yeah no i think that's one of the great questions not just of this decade but of the last several decades in this country and in this city is how do we invest in ourselves how do we invest in our people in in ways that uh, uh, in ways that will pay off in the future right. and are we willing to make that investment or do we think that that you know keeping money in our pocketbooks uh, and spending it on things that we want to is smarter than handing it over to, to government so that we can create the kind of society that we think we all we all uh, we all want and deserve I mean that, that is that is going to be a big question in the 2020s as well not mm-hmm. just in Detroit but but nationally as we see this kind of wave of austerity sweep over uh, over our politics and over the culture yeah. haven't we been in a wave of austerity yeah though? well that's right I mean yeah I mean it, it, it's I mean it's that's that's, ruling... that's what got us here you know in these with these terrible roads that's with these right underfunded schools is this idea that you can always do more with less always you know it's just a matter of tightening you your have, belt exactly you can have everything and not pay for it right I mean, exactly. it's one of the really that's sort a, of cynical cynical points of view yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's where the bankruptcy to me completely fails it's like when you take out a 20 30 year mortgage on your house and then you know the bank saying we want all the money now you know, because it looks like you might not live to 65 or it looks like you got laid off and you might not get another job or, you know, things of that nature. And so the trade off that we make I and the price that we paid is, I think, going to be greater than anything that we've ever experienced before. OK, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back. We're going to keep talking about moments of the decade, people of the decade and we want to get to you tom in northwest detroit katie in detroit ralph in dearborn ed in detroit patricia and st Clair shores we will hear from all of you next and if you want to join them 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones we'll be right back with more detroit today This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I am talking this hour about the last decade, which is about to end in just a few weeks, if you can believe that. Seems like just yesterday we were moving from 2009 to 2010. And beginning in this decade, we're talking about the things that stand out to us from the last decade, the things that we will remember in the future, the things that will define this decade when we look back at it. I've got a great panel of folks here with us to do that. Chad Livengood is a senior editor at Crane's Detroit Business. Nancy Nall Derringer is a Detroit-based writer and editor, also works with Deadline Detroit. And Greg Bowens is a political and communications consultant and We want to hear from you, the listeners. What are the things that stand out to you over the last decade? 
313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll get to you uh, and put you into the conversation that way. Let's start with Patricia in St. Clair Shores. Patricia, what's on your mind? Youth activism. I think that it's wonderful that their voice and presence is in our political fabric, and they're carrying the hearts and torches of those of us from the 60s and 70s. Hmm. Patricia, I think that is a really interesting uh, that is a really interesting pick for for a moment or, or a series of moments, perhaps across the, the decade. Panel, what do we think of that? I think hmm. she's got a good point. Um, and I realize that in talk radio, you say "good point" over and over again. But um, <laughs> I, okay. I think this, it is it is interesting. I mean, when you come and, and I guess every you know generation of young people kind of you know coalesces in its own way. But she's right in that I believe that younger people, whether you call them you know millennials or Gen Zs or whatever, um, absolutely are more engaged. They're more woke if you can use that word i mean they're just they're they've got their head in the in that game more than i think maybe the ones who came before them and i think part of it is simply because the um because they feel threatened you know they feel threatened by things like climate change and all the you know the defunding of everything so that would be my i I would have to give i i I get that but i it's sort of like the this in this horse race of of who had the biggest impact i might have to say this this decade, what stands out is the year that women stood up and slayed the white guy. Well, that's true. <laughs> a thousand cuts of the Me Too movement, you know, just taking down giants all over the place. And uh, and that was completely unexpected. I mean, they just, they just, it just blew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it did. Uh, I, I want to go to Ralph because he has a similar point to the one that you just made. Greg, Ralph in Dearborn. Go ahead. You there, Ralph? Oh, I think Ralph is maybe not paying attention. Okay. Anyway, Ralph <laughs> says that 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 uh, that the Me Too movement was the biggest cultural movement of this decade. Do we think that's true? That it was it stands out as the largest. Definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's let's let let's let a man Come on, this one for I think he's got a point. No, he's, he's like, I don't want to speak for all the white guys and the masters of the universe, but you're here. <laughs> I, I mean, I've watched this uh, sort of the evolution of just having come into like I work I've worked in newsrooms, which are kind of uh, kind of gruff and. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, a little bit uh, <laughs> places where people do a lot of cursing and such and <laughs> and and because they're they're working under you know uh, sort of uh, boiler room conditions and um you know we, we call it the news factory kind of for a reason uh, but um yeah i've watched uh, my own workforces evolve and the things that some of the old men used to say at some of the newspapers i worked at in saginaw and mm-hmm. and uh, jackson Early in my career, um, you just wouldn't you wouldn't be caught dead saying now, um, and because yep. we've, we've seen people just get fired uh, mm-hmm. for for such things, and and um, you know, I, I think it's a good thing of that we finally have kind of uh, kind of got, got rid of some of those elements in our in our dialogue. To use maybe just a trivial example, um, the the reporter who was doing her stand up at the fun run and some guy goes yeah, runs by her and he go. swats her on the butt. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I think a decade ago she might have 
even laughed at, you mm. know, or gone, ooh, you know, or mm. something like that. And now it's like, hey, you don't get to do that. And that guy is actually, I think he's going to, he's being charged. With yeah, something. he got charged. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that's, I think that's, that's absolutely. Well, and, and also in our politics, I mean, um, well, I've covered kinda. three legislatures. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I, I've covered legislatures in Missouri and Delaware before, and, and then, and then Michigan. And, and the, um, the professionalism, has has changed. Uh, uh, I mean, there used to be a lot more of that even on the House floor, mm-hmm. um, and and um, you know you just don't you don't see that uh, anymore. Yeah, yeah. In no. public at least. It doesn't so, seem to have left a dent on the president. <laughs> right, so, right. So before in we defiance, get, uh, he raises his middle finger right. <laughs> with yeah. every right. tweet. That's right. <laughs> uh, before we get too far afield, uh, I want to come back to sort of the local and state context here, and and talk more about Flint, the Flint water crisis, and and how much of the decade we think that defines. Not just for people in Flint, obviously, but for the entire state of Michigan and and for the whole country, really. This idea that in 2019, in the United States of America, uh, there are people in a city who still can't turn the tap on and expect that the water that comes out is clean and not tainted with some sort of pollutant. I mean, it, 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 it still is one of those things that I have to remind myself is real, that, mm-hmm. that this happened and that it continues to, to be a problem. I mean, I, I think a lot of the problems now are about population and making sure that uh, that there's enough going on in Flint to, to, to fix everything and that there's enough there's enough long-term focus uh, on it. But, but, but I want to talk about Flint and what we think that says about this decade that we had this kind of crisis completely man-made right uh, and and sort of contrary to all of the things that we think of about sort of modern society Nancy I think Chad uh, put it very well a few minutes ago when he said that you know the difference between Detroit's financial distress and Flint's uh, came down to mm-hmm. the best people, the best workout and turnaround uh, lawyers in the country versus bean counters. And I mean, when you hear about how this actually happened, that they decided to um, stick a straw in the Detroit or in the uh, Flint River and change their water source without even the equipment necessary to inject the anti-corrosive um, chemicals that every other water system in the country has been using for decades now. I mean, mm-hmm. that is just, it's appalling. And the agony of Flint, not just in, you know, in, in the idea that you're drinking tainted water, but the, the, the downstream things, if I can use mm-hmm. a water metaphor there, you know, the kids who are going to struggle in school mm-hmm. and in jobs for the rest of their lives, um, the people who died from Legionnaire's disease. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things are simply horrific. And, you know, I, I hate that it's become this kind of glib Hollywood phrase, Flint still doesn't have clean water, because it's more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is probably the ultimate example of what happens when you value, when you run government like a business, if to, to, you know, and, and forget that they're not, that government is not a business and they're, they have different priorities. And the idea that it's more important to save money than it is to provide the most vital resource that we use on safe for children and adults every day is just it's it's mind boggling. I mean that that's that was like a hundred thousand dollar fix, I think, was the cost yeah. for being able to do that. 
And I'm haunted, Stephen, because Chastity Pratt Dossity on your show, and I'd seen her at the Flint stuff. You know, people looked at Flint as almost a victimless sort of crime. Oh, it's an inconvenience. You can't really drink the water. You know, and that yeah, kind they of thing. Yeah, you get bottled water. It's free. Right. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah. But and I'm sure Chad would agree with with, with this that it had a, a huge impact on business mm. because you go to a restaurant, everything from the ice in in a drink to the water you use to to uh, to make a burger has to be bought. <laughs> yeah, mm. it has to be bought. Uh, but you know, Chastity, when I saw her one time, she had just left the center where they were testing children for lead, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a pinprick to your finger. Mm-hmm. And she, she walked into this room, this gym, and there are literally hundreds of kids screaming and crying as they get pricked. And they hear, you know, the other kids, you know, before yeah. they get pricked, sure. you know, hear them screaming. And so they're all amped up. And I could just hear the howling, you know, and right. that, you know, makes it. You know, so real. You know, thousands of yeah, yeah, thousands of children, hundreds <laughs> yeah. of children crying out. You know, in this situation, and so yeah, it's it's horrific. Yeah. Yeah. It, in 2016, I probably I, I probably I read nearly a hundred thousand pages of of emails from state and city and county government all, all through all the various disclosures. Um, the one that just still kind of haunts me about the whole situation was. In October of 2014, on the eve of Rick Snyder's re-election, his um, in, in-house attorney, Michael Godola, who's now a court of appeals judge, mm-hmm. sounded the alarms internally to other aides to the governor. Mike Godola grew up in Flint, mm-hmm. and he sent this email um, talking about, um, he said, too bad, uh, darn out early, the emergency manager didn't ask me what I thought though I'm sure he's heard it from others. He said, my mom is a city resident. Nice to know she's drinking water with elevated uh, chlorine levels and fecal coliform. Mm. Um, Mm. This was at the time when there was just early signs that there was something wrong in the chemistry of the water, Mm -hmm. um, that uh, something had gone awry in the switch from this uh, deep uh, water well from from Lake Michigan, or excuse me, Lake Huron, that they pumped out for 50 years suddenly they're using water from the Flint River. And even guys like Cadola were like, like, hey, I know this is not, a, not something I would want to drink water from. Hmm. And at the same time, and this is, this is where I just, it's hard to understand how people in government didn't, someone didn't step up and say, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When General Motors told City of Flint and state government, we are switching water sources because it's corroding, it's corroding our, our engine engines. parts. Yeah. Um, to build our, you know, best-selling uh, Chevy trucks, um, and we, and so if when some someone, how someone in state government didn't say, wait a minute, if this is bad for engine parts, it probably is bad for human parts, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> right. That never happened, and it is just, it is one of the most inconceivable breakdowns and failures in institutions. Um, that I I've ever witnessed, and maybe we will ever witness. And hopefully, yeah. we'll never witness something as as, as horrible as this. I, I I think one of the problems is, or one of the fears that I have is, that we haven't learned enough of the lessons from Flint to be able to say, well, we'll make sure this never happens again. I mean, I think the the the, the way that we approach infrastructure, the way that we approach the funding of government, safety, those kind of things. You can see all all signs that people are kind of pulling back from those things, and maybe it's not going to be water next time. Maybe it's food safety. Maybe it's 
airline safety. I mean, all of the things that that we need to be funding better and paying more attention to, I think, are under some peril. Amen. I want to go to Bill in Bloomfield Hills, who has uh, a kind of similar point. Uh, Bill, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, Bill. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I think we're seeing the results of the uh, trickle-down independent uh, economics that we started back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, where all the risks are put on the individual as opposed to corporations or business or government. The idea that you can have everything you want without paying taxes and tax cuts are the only thing we need to do. So hopefully we're at the bottom of that. We're starting to see a movement towards the uh, other direction. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's one of the, the, the real conversations that we ought to be having about how we how we think of these things. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I get very frustrated when, for instance, I read a story this morning about the president's poll numbers and how they're creeping up and that in head-to-head matchups with some of the other, some of the Democratic candidates, he might be ahead. And they quoted some folks in these stories about why they supported the president. And to a number, they all, whether they were rich or poor, talked Mm -hmm. about how well the economy is performing and that they have more money in their pockets now than they have before. And that seems to be the, the, the absolute brass tax issue for it, for a lot of people is, well, the economy is good, so we don't have to think about all these other things that, that go on and, and forget about what we're investing in, in infrastructure and, and children and all of these other things that will shape the future that, uh, that we all hope to have. If I could recommend one book that has come out of Washington, I know we're kind of getting off track from, you know, local and state stuff. Um, It would not be, you know, one of the gossip books about, you know, who said what to who in the Oval Office and whether Ivanka has her hair blown out at her desk every day or not. It would be this book by Michael Lewis called The Fifth Risk. Yes. And I read it uh, last winter and it scared the crap out of me. It was, it's terrifying. And it's what it is about is... It's about the replacement of seasoned professionals, which you some people would refer to as the deep state, you know, which is people who know their jobs and know how to do them in federal government with apparatchiks who are vetted on one question only. Are you loyal to Donald Trump? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he concentrates on energy and agriculture. But, you know, you talked, energy is nuclear power. Mm-hmm. Um, food, you know, agriculture is food safety. I mean, when you talked about, like, what's the next horrible thing to happen going to be, it wouldn't surprise me one bit after reading this this book that it's going to be, it's going to come out of, out of something at the federal level and it's going to have something to do with, you know, radiation being released into the atmosphere or some sort of terrible food crisis that's going to kill people. You've got a party that has made an enemy of the idea of the regulatory state. Yes, exactly. Somehow that has to be dismantled in order for us to profit and to feel free. But boy, I'm telling you, you turn the tap in your home, you eat in a restaurant, you get on an airplane. All of those things depend on that regulatory state to make sure that you don't have to worry about what what yeah. you're ingesting or doing. And, right. And at some point, that all is going to catch up. All right, we're going to take another quick break. and we come back, we're going to talk more about some of the national things that happen. 
I have a huge long list here, of course. Uh, <laughs> we also want to get to more of your cultural and social and political moments of the decade. 313-577-1019 is the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. We are counting down the last days of 2019 and of the 20 teens decade. And today, here on Detroit Today, we are talking about all of the things that we will remember about the last 10 years, what things we expect for the next 20 years, uh, and we want to hear from you as well. What are you thinking about as we? go from 2019 to 2020 and from the teens to the 20s of this century. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. All right, before we go back to the phones, I got to list off some of the national issues that we wrote down before the show that I think, again, huge, huge list. So, Let's start with the Affordable Care Act, which became law in the last decade, but unfolded in our lives this decade. And to this day, we are still talking about healthcare in this country and whether we think it should have to change or, or be completely remade. Black Lives Matter is something that unfolded this decade as we saw not just an increase, I think, in incidents where black men in particular have been targeted by police and others, uh, but the response to that, this idea that, uh, that there is something fundamentally wrong with the way that we think of race and racial difference and racism in this, in this country. Uh, Same-sex marriage became legal at the federal level in this decade, a huge, huge cultural change that uh, that was a long time coming, but then also seemed to unfold very quickly in the end. I mean, it, it went from, from a very small case here in the city of Detroit to uh, a case in front of the Supreme Court, and voila, overnight it was, uh, it was legal. And then domestic terrorism, mm. this idea that the threats that we face to our safety are not just from foreigners, that a lot of them are from our neighbors. Boy, that is, uh, that's quite a listen. It's not even a comprehensive one. Right? <laughs> I know. I could go on for a whole hour. Are we going to keep this show on for like four more hours to get through <laughs> all this right. stuff? Because we really could. I mean, that's I, mean, right. I, mean I, hope, I hope that the things that you just listed will usher in an age of compassion. You know, how do we treat each other right? You know? And uh, from everything from race relations to the violence, it used to be how do you stop crime, right? I didn't even think you mentioned gun violence, right? Yeah, that, right. Yeah. Huge you know, changes there. But now we can't. I mean, now we're 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 tripping on how we're asking ourselves the question: How young is too young to 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 have an active shooter drill in your child's school? Right. Should it be done in kindergarten? Should it be, should you wait till they get to high school or college or what? You know, and so. When you when I think about those kinds of things, my my hope is my hope is is that as we go into the twenties, 
that we learn how to be more compassionate and give each other a break, man. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. But, let's know. go to let's go to Tom in uh, Northwest Detroit. He's got a point that fits very well with uh, this point in the conversation. Tom, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for taking the call. Um, you know what? The Sandy Hook shootings. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just tore me up. And you know, the, and, and the crazy, for lack of a better way to put it, when that happened, I knew that the NRA and none of the lawmakers were going to do anything about the guns. Mm-hmm. So I mean, was... you know, uh, to the point of, you know, you don't need AR-15s and Uzis and things like that. What do I need? Those things are meant to do one thing and one thing only, and that was to kill, kill other a lot people. of people sure. in a short period of time. Yeah, yep. Tom, I, I, I really appreciate you calling and, and bringing that up. It's really timely. Uh, that was exactly, almost exactly, seven years ago, December 14th, 2012. So the right. beginning of this decade, really. And we've spent the rest of the time, it feels like, fighting over how to respond to that. And we are exactly in the same place. I don't think there is a single piece of significant gun legislation or regulation that has unfolded since Sandy Hook. I think I was driving on Hall Road, (laughs) probably Mm -hmm. on my way to do some Christmas shopping at Partridge Creek, when Wayne LaPierre made his statement about three or four days after that. And I I just remember, like... I was agog. I told. I mean, how can anybody, with any lick of sense, say that the answer to this terrible, terrible problem is to have more guns and to have teachers packing and to have you know principals trained and whatever? I mean, it, it's just it's awful. But mm. Craig, I'm, we haven't let Chad talk for a while. Yeah. Maybe Chad Go ahead, can say Chad. something. Well, I was uh, <laughs> thinking about uh, same-sex marriage um, in the ruling from Judge Bernard Friedman in 2014, yep. March uh, uh, 2014, that set off the next day. Um, I got a call from, I was in Lansing and I got a call from the editor on a Saturday morning. Hey, you got to get down to the Ingham County courthouse right now. Um, Barb Byram, the county clerk is, is issuing marriage licenses. This is historic. And so I raced down to Mason, um, and witnessed, um, of several, uh, couples getting married, um, and uh, one that just sort of still st- sits in my mind uh, was Greg McNeely, a prominent Republican political strategist mm-hmm. who is the essentially the political lieutenant for the DeVos family. Yes. Um, and he was there. And I knew that Greg was, was gay, but um, I didn't expect to see Greg uh, at the courthouse on the first day um, mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. with his partner, um, a longtime partner, Doug Meeks. And, and um, I witnessed them get married on the second floor. Wow. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it you know, just is sort of things in the decade um, <laughs> that I did not expect uh, to, to witness. Um, but, it, but it really, uh, you know, says a lot about, you know, how – how we evolved, and back to you know my earlier comment, just how disruption has changed um, this 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 country yeah. in this last decade. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So so before we run out of time, I also have to go through the list of people we lost this decade, locally and nationally, and it, it's an incredible list. And of course, again, not comprehensive. But mm-hmm. uh, Amy Winehouse, mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin, John Conyers, John Dingle. Robin Williams, Nelson Mandela, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Prince, Prince David oh Bowie, Glenn Frey, <laughs> Gordy Howe, Muhammad Ali, Koki Roberts, Maya Angelou, Damon Keith, 
Mike Illich, David DiChiara, Whitney Houston, L. Brooks Patterson, Anthony Bourdain, Carrie Fisher, and Debbie Reynolds, Tom Petty, Chuck Berry, and Bill Milliken. I mean, again, just an incredible reign. It of... is. And you, you look at, you know, most of these people, I think, were coming to the end of a well-lived life and none of us, you know, last forever. So, you know, you can say it's 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 too bad that we lost John Conyers and John Dingle, but they were old men and it was probably yeah. and sooner they did or later. An, an incredible number of things. Yeah, over. it was sooner or later was their time. But I mean, look at how many of these people died of heroin overdoses. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Prince. Yeah. Um, not Winehouse. sure about Amy Winehouse yeah. if she was an OD or not, but Michael that Jackson? Uh, Michael Jackson no, was, was that he, this no, decade? I think that was no, last, that was last decade. decade. Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah. But those, you know, that that kind of keys in with another th- huge story this this decade, which is the, opioids. Yeah, and heroin, the mm-hmm. comeback of heroin. Mm-hmm. So you know that was uh, was terrible. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the phones here, Katie in Detroit. Katie, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. Um, I was calling in to say that I felt like Angela Merkel has been a really influential person on the international scene Hmm. because of their refugee policy in Germany and how that sort of shaped um, everybody else's response to the Syrian refugee crisis. Oh, wow. That is a really interesting interesting interjection. I'm I'm glad you called with that. Uh, Let's go to Tiffany in Troy. Tiffany, what's on your mind? Are you there, Tiffany? So, yeah, so I wanted to speak to the broader issue of water infrastructure um, mm-hmm. that we're now being uh, quite well aware of because it's not just, um, you know, in uh, the Flint area, but also uh, Jersey and things like that. I've heard of issues and also now in the city that I uh, purchased a home in East Point. Mm. Um, that was, there was a news, Fox News story that I saw when I was on vacation and I thought maybe, oh, I'm out of the loop because I didn't get a letter. Well, I got a letter when I came back that I may have a lead service line. I'm not even sure. And even the way they handled it, I'm not sure. I have to call today and find out, do I have a problem? Do I have an issue? And you would think being in this region, we would be a little bit more mindful about how do we handle this? <laughs> yeah, Tiffany, so the good news is that you're experiencing that in part because of some of the things that changed after Flint. They raised the standards for pollutants in water, lead in particular, and so they're testing more frequently and issuing alerts more often, and they are going to replace all of the lead lines uh, in the state that uh, that still exists. So I, I know it's frustrating to hear and not hear uh, the things that that you feel like you need to know, but th- th- this is happening because we actually are are trying to fix this. And uh, my friend, the retired uh, water chemist, <laughs> says she's probably fine because yeah. we have been adding anti corrosives to Detroit water for probably since the late sixties, yeah. and it builds up that, that coating. Here. So, yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, Chad, we've got about time, thirty seconds left. Yeah, having so spent some time in Flint Holmes, two bit of pieces of vice. If you have, you're worried, go get a faucet filter. They're less than $100. They screw right on. Also, just take the faucet cap off. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, just little uh, pieces of, uh, of, of corrosion and... build up in there and just clean that out with an old toothbrush and put it back on and, and uh, they can bring some peace of mind to you. Okay, good Chad, Chad Live and Good, Nancy Nall, there, Jaringer, and Greg Bowens. It was really great to it's recap the decade with you. What do you say... 
for the new decade? Is it, you know, happy new year? It's not happy new year. Is it happy new decade? How about be better? Be better. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's, that's what the kids right. would say. <laughs> that's going to be it for us today. Tomorrow, we will be preempted by impeachment hearings in Washington, D.C., but we will be back on Thursday morning, we hope. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, your connection to news, conversation, and music. We'll talk more later.